Hello, hi, I'm Zanzi, and welcome back to the Health for Mzanzi podcast. Proudly brought to you by Health for Mzanzi. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm here to hold your hand as you seek the answers to those medical shames and woes you dare not speak of in public. Remember, nothing is off limits. The gaining of weight is easier to see in physical terms. However, we tend to neglect that weight gain also has other implications that we cannot necessarily see but can also weigh us down. In this week's discussion, we chat to clinical psychologist Simone Ardenser. Simone, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for just finding some time in your day and most probably busy schedule to talk about how weight gain can affect one's mental health. It's a very important subject to touch on. It's an absolute privilege to be here. Thanks so much for having me. And yes, definitely a relevant topic. I think before we get into the thick of things, if you can just give us a bit of a background of what it is that you do. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I have been practicing for 14 years already. Hmm. I am currently in private practice exclusively. There was a time in my life where I worked at an inpatient facility for a couple of years that focused specifically on addictions and disordered eating. So we really have the expert online, I would say, (laughs) to talk about this. Simone, is there a link between weight gain and mental health? Absolutely. So, I mean, we know that food is fuel and we know that the kind of foods that we consume affect our mood and our mental health, but the reverse is also true. So Mm. our mental state also affects our relationship with food and the kinds of foods that we gravitate towards. So there are often physiological reasons for why there's a link between the two. And then there are psychological reasons as well. So like Just a very basic physiological reason is when people are stressed, there's increased cortisol in their body, which then often increases the appetite. That's a physiological Uh reason. Then psychological reasons is that when people are stressed, depressed, or anxious, they will often gravitate towards what we call comfort food. We all know those, the ones that bring the pleasure, the ice cream, the chocolate, the sweets. And the reason why is because when we have those kind of foods, it gives like immediate gratification. So what that means is there's instant pleasure. The dopamine gets released in the brain when we eat those foods. And then that often numbs the pain or serves as a temporary numbing agent or self-soothing technique or some kind of an escapism. So there's the short-term relief, but then with the longer-term consequences, the weight gain and the health issues. Simone, you touched on it a bit, but the fact that you get instant gratification, you know, from eating sweets or takeout or whatever, why is that a negative thing to resort to that? What happens is that your food world and your emotional world becomes intertwined. It becomes mixed up and that is never a good thing because then you're trying to fix an emotional problem with food. And so so often what we would do um, in therapy is help people to pull those two apart, to help them to understand what is the overeating communicating? You know, what function is it serving in your life? Is it stress relief? Is it fear? Is it just sort of negative self-esteem, which often then leads to negative self-care? Because when we don't feel good about ourselves, we won't be mindful 
about what we put in our bodies. Definitely. And so it is about figuring out what is the overeating communicating. What are some of the mental challenges that you have experienced that has occurred as a result of weight gain? It often feels like a vicious cycle. So people will not feeling good and then they will eat to escape it. And then the weight gain will make them not feel good. And then they will just eat more, you know, so it's yeah. often a vicious cycle. So with that, we'll see increased stress, increased depression, poor body image, and also diminished self-esteem. That's a yeah. good one. And like I said, when people don't feel good about themselves, they will then also struggle to take care of themselves. Oh, yes, definitely. You just mentioned now that it is a vicious cycle and almost a domino mm -hmm. effect. I know that if you're actually having a session with someone, it can probably take such a long time to give a patient the tools to maybe kind of identify the root of the problem. But what would one of those tools be, if you can share that with us? to help someone, to empower someone, to stop that ripple effect? The approach that I use when treating clients is the intuitive eating approach. So that's very much approach that deals with learning body wisdom, tuning to your body again. Because when people have mental health difficulties, they're often disconnected. They're often disconnected from themselves, but then also from their body. Intuitive eating teaches body wisdom. It helps you to just Becoming tuned with what is your body communicating? What are my body cues telling me right now? It's also a very inclusive approach. So it looks at not restricting, but also not overeating. So it looks at like honoring your hunger, you know, so eat when you're hungry, respect your fullness, tuning into your body's cues. And when you eat from that space, you will end up making healthier decisions because you'll be following what your body wants. So that is just on a very practical level that we will teach things. But then there are psychological things we also need to look at. We need to look at people's self-talk. You know, we need to look at what labels they've put on themselves. How do they speak to each other? I'm often surprised by how people speak to themselves. You know, mm -hmm. they'll tell themselves, you're disgusting for eating that second piece of cake. And then I'll often say, would you speak to your child like that? Would you speak to... A friend like that. So why yeah. are you speaking to yourself like that? So we need to look at people's self-talk. Another big one is comparison. I think people compare themselves a lot. And I think the societal standards of beauty often influences that. And in reality, I mean, if we all ate the same foods and we all did the exact same exercise, our bodies would still look different. So it is about learning what's good for your body. Because we all have different genes, different metabolisms. That's where the body wisdom comes in again. Learning yeah. what works for my body and what doesn't work for my body. I could eat the exact same amount of food that you do every night and our bodies just won't look the same. So yeah. eliminating the comparison, I think that is also a big one. Helping people to reframe their focus. So take it away from appearance focus and more health focused. When we focus on doing the right things for our bodies from a health perspective, it takes some of the pressure off. So even if you don't have the flattest stomach or the stomach that you had when you were 18 years old, if you're eating properly and you're exercising and you're feeling good and you've got energy and you're not getting sick, that takes some pressure off. Be thankful for the vessel that is carrying you. Absolutely. And I like that word that you use because... Our body is just a vessel. It doesn't yeah. define all we are. <laughs> you know, we're more than what we look like. And helping people with the identity and their self-esteem can also put that focus on that, you know. So 
what are your interests? What are you good at? What are your strengths? And yeah. when people start looking at other aspects of themselves and they start feeling good about themselves, they'll want to take better care of themselves in any case, which they might have an impact on how they take care of themselves and their bodies. A thought just came into my mind about just how you define yourself, but I'm also just thinking about all the external messages, social media, what we see on TV, mm-hmm. that's throwing out all these definitions and boxes. Do you think yes. there are support structures? And I think you could also identify as a support structure for weight in general, whether it is weight gain or weight loss. Are there other support structures mm-hmm. that people can go to or get some sort of empowerment from? I just want to add to what you said about social media. I think it's so important to put boundaries on what we inject. I've literally sat with clients already and gone through the Instagram account with them to check what they are following and then help them to advise them that this really? is helpful. Wow. To, yes, yes. Okay. yes. Especially for eating disordered clients. You know, they need a lot of assistance around what is influencing the eating disorder and then eliminating that and then putting more of what would then help the eating disorder. With regard to support groups, Overeaters Anonymous is a good one. The OA fraternity, and they are very similar to the AA. They work on the same principles. Overeating often gets regarded as a food addiction, which is why they have sort of similar principles. But I've heard a lot of good things from clients of mine that have attended OA groups. And then, of course, I'm simplifying everything today in terms of tips and those sort of things. Especially when there's an eating disorder, I find it's one of the most complicated mental health issues. So it really helps to get professional assistance with people that are experienced in eating disorders. So just to uncover what is causing the stuckness, what's causing the disconnect, what's causing the disordered eating. Lastly, what I want to touch on, everybody is part of a family, is part of a community. So how can we support the community or the family members to correctly support somebody that is maybe struggling with weight gain? I think it can probably be quite nerve-wracking if someone thinks they are supporting your weight loss journey because you have gained so much weight over time, but they keep on asking you like, oh, did you lose something this week? And if you didn't, Mm -hmm. it can be very disheartening. What would some of the tips and tricks be for the community and the family that's supporting someone with the addiction, like you call it? I think it's so important to be mindful Mm. of what we say to people, because what we say, and especially kids and young adults, it becomes their self-talk later in life. And so... If you're always commenting on weight, that is then something that grows in a person. So when you do want to compliment someone, when you do want to comment on changes, it doesn't have to be appearance focused. It doesn't have to be, oh, did you pick up weight? And be so mindful of how you say things to people. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the Health for Mzansi podcast. For more on our weight gain and mental health chat, check out healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical jam, you can send an email to hello at healthfemzanzi.co.za or send a WhatsApp to 076-132-0454. Yeah, we don't blue tick. So there you have it, girls and guys. What you're going through and how you look should never weigh you down. 
Appreciate the vessel that's carrying you. And if you want to make a change, remember that you can do it. Until next time, keep well, stay healthy. Signing out, your girl Joe.